Ça va. Sound design. What I like a lot is that a sound engineer that they go on stage and they check what's happening on stage so that before going into the room and towards the, the front of house that they already know what's really happening. I find mm. that very important. Sometimes there's mixing engineers they don't do that anymore. I find that weird. Sound design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the show to help you build your career as a sound engineer and the home of the world's first online career coaching program optimized for audio professionals. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by composer and performer Ozark Henry, who has a new album called Paramount, which was produced, mixed, and mastered in Aura 3D, 9.1 immersive sound. So Ozark, welcome to Sound Design Live. Thank you. Okay, so I definitely want to talk to you about how you recorded this crazy album. But first of all, um, what's some of your favorite Belgium rap? Is Belgium really famous for its rap music? <laughs> no, I just wanted to. I just wanted to see if there's even such a thing as Belgian rap. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Well, what's there's, another one of your favorite Belgium artists that's not necessarily rap? I mean, uh, Belgian artist. Uh, that one would know throughout the whole world is, is, is like Toots Tielemans. Okay. Uh, that's from a different generation, but but he played with Charlie Parker. Uh, he, he was on stage with Paul Simon. Uh, he was on stage with uh, Billy Joel and Stevie Wonder. And of course, we have Stromae. So Ozark, how did you get your first paying gig in show business? designs for uh, a theater company and uh, a part of the design uh, was not just the scenery but also the music okay okay and i had uh, very very good reviews um and comments on that and then someone was asking me why wouldn't you be making just music would you be interested in, in making an album and i got offered um contract to 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 make my first album and so that was the way i started uh in the music industry. Oh, well, so your segue into the music industry was actually as a theatrical sound designer and composer. Yes, yes, yes. And then afterwards, I had to sort of translate that towards, um, towards the scene, which was, uh, which was not in, intended when I made that music. Uh, my first album was made with, um, with tape recorders. Mm -hmm. uh, I was bouncing from, from one tape recorder to another and, and, uh, playing with the speeds uh, uh, to make uh, um, original sounds. So that's not something that is easy to, to reproduce um, when playing live. So, uh, um, so I had to sort of consider how to do so. And then uh, I evolved and, and, and opened up towards anything that was possible to make music. So we all have had this experience of hearing a great live band and then just being disappointed by their album, I guess, when we got home to listen to it. Honestly, this is why we love working in live audio, but why is it so hard to capture the same energy and charisma of a live performance on a recording? I think it is very hard to, to, to capture um, the realness and the, uh, the largeness of it. 
because the format that we use is way too small. I think it's a matter of having a bigger canvas. When taking a picture of something that is really like a, a big landscape, to really get back the way it did impress you and to bring back the same vibe, you almost have to uh, reproduce that picture in, 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 in a way bigger size than, than, than just like uh, the size of like an iPhone or, or a laptop. To bring back every detail, to make it possible to even see every detail. And what makes a live recording very special is that everything that happens counts. I think that's what the electricity is all about. When you start losing a lot of that information, you're starting to, re to lose um, what made the real experience so special. So when we're at a concert, it's, it's as big as it can possibly be. It's as real as life. It kind of surrounds us, all of our senses, 360 degrees, you know, fills up our eyes and our ears. And then when we're listening to an album, that's just too small of a format, you're saying. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't surround us and, and, and fill our senses, I guess. Yes, that's, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's like, if you would say, like, a, a live performance is, uh, is 200 square meters, than like a CD format or the format in which we are used to uh, uh, listen to recorded music is, is, is hardly one square meter. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. The formats that we listen in, uh, to music in these days is like an MP3 or a CD format. Those are small formats. And mm. if, you, if, if you see how we capture live music to really capture everything that happens, and, 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 and that's what's so cool about it. Everything that happens matters. Let's talk about RF3D for a second. Could you explain why the extra four speakers higher up are so important? At first, the fact that I had a way bigger canvas than any canvas I've seen before. And also the, 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 the clear possibility to recreate uh, um, an existing acoustic space. Because uh, the four extra speakers, they give you height, but that means that they give you uh, a real 3D sense. We're not talking about surround, we're talking about immersive sound. Considering that uh, what I've done is working with a 90-piece orchestra, I needed a big format, so I would not only be able to record all the nuances and the dynamics, but I would also be able to record the direction of the sound. I think it's way beyond anything I did expect. I expected to have like a great definition of sound, something that was so close to the real thing um, that it would be like a way step uh, ahead from all that we know. And in a way that knowing that it's a virtual experience, that it almost feels like better than the real thing, that was something I, could nev I would have never imagined. Um, let's talk about the recording process and the post-production process. Did yes. you just hang nine mics above the orchestra for the nine different speakers. How do you decide what sounds go to what speakers to kind of create that experience that you're going for? This was uh, uh, the strategy of uh, Ronald Brent, who's the recording and mixing engineer of this project. His idea was to, to record it in, in, in three ways. To do like the close miking, so we have like, we would be able to 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 have a direct sound from all the groups, take um, the space from, from the center of the orchestra, saying from the position uh, where the uh, director was, and then to um, go one step higher 
and record from a, from a, from, with a cluster the reflections of the room high up. So we did record this in, in a room where we had um, uh, a high ceiling and all the space to do so. Mm-hmm. And that would allow us to play with, with the room, see how the room works. Um, and if necessary, if, if the room uh, would go too far away from the direct sound and we would miss that, then we could bring that back. And of course, having said that, that, that um, uh, we had nothing to go on as no one has done this before, um, we had to keep all options open and to see what was happening when we did record it. Could you talk for just a minute about how you met the mix engineer who worked on this album and why you decided to hire them? Everyone who's part of this project, those are all people who are um, experts in their field and people I've known for some time. I'm wondering how you found them. My guess is that you didn't just Google uh, best immersive sound engineer in the world and then come up with those names. No, not at all. Well, the, 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 way, to, the way to find them is, is to... to, to uh, to check on people's work, mm-hmm. um, uh, to follow people's career and see what they do, and 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 and, and to understand what is their drive. Um, uh, uh, you have to work with people that you can really trust. And the way that I found out uh, or, or or build my team is that um, my uh, monitor guy is actually now my front of house engineer. Oh, okay. And um, I'd always find it did find it very uh, difficult to communicate to to um, uh, to the engineer that was in the front of house to what kind of sound that I liked, in a sense that they always had um, uh, an idea of their own, and they'd always tried to impose that on me, which made it um, uh, hard to have like uh, um, confidence in anything that was ongoing. Um, um, in the room while performing. And, Interesting. And yeah, and at a certain time, I said like to 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 um, um, Tom Janssen, who's, who was doing my monitors at that time. That's I think that's I don't know fourteen years ago. I told him, you know, if you would do in the front of house what you're doing in my monitors, that's that's what I want. From one day uh, to another, he he became my front of house engineer, and I had. And of course, he had to learn, but um, I could have confidence in the fact that 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 he could get there, and that he was listening with my ears to get to 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 a result. Hello, Sava. In most music, um, a bass has a natural place, but that doesn't mean that that it has that same function in every style. A bass can be like a very melodic instrument, but then that means it's not supporting anything. So then you have to look at what is supporting everything and what is connected to the drums. And why should drums be loud or why should drums be synced in the music? And every mix can be like um, interesting and even cool and and pleasant to listen to. But that doesn't mean that it's um, relevant to what the artist uh, initially intended. From your perspective, what is something that sound engineers do a lot that you really like? What I like a lot is that a sound engineer, that they go on stage and they check what's happening on stage, that they um, do the miking themselves, or at least check the miking mm-hmm. every time themselves, so that before going into the room and towards the, the front of house, that they already know what's really happening. 
Mm-hmm. I find that very important. Sometimes there's mixing engineers, they don't do that anymore. I find that weird. You're part of the team. You can only be part of the team if you really connect. So you, you should connect with all with, with everybody's on stage. Um, it's also important uh, um, the other way around, because I find it very important that all the musicians should have like uh, um, a sincere respect for, for the engineers. And if the engineers make suggestions to make them sound better up front, then they, then they should consider that and not just tell them like, no, but this is the way I do it. Because what they do is they, they, they translate what you're doing on stage towards a room. And sometimes the translation needs an adaptation. Mm-hmm. And to make the best adaptation uh, um, uh, sometimes comes from a compromise. That means that, that both have to, to step in to get a solution. And the solution cannot always, can always come from one person. It's not always just the engineer that can come up with a solution. It's sometimes the solution is, is um, to compromise. Yes, and everybody doing like a step towards another, and and the main thing is to have like a, a better result. I mean, uh, for, for instance, like if you have like a singer on stage um, who doesn't have like a strong voice, then of course it's to have like a better uh, um, vocal sound. It's way better that they sing with in ears that there's there's no monitors on the ground. Yeah. That's, not to pollute the sound. But if the singer says, like, you know, but I don't want to sing with in-ears, then it's, you're not making it, it um, easy for the uh, front-of-house engineer knowing that, you know, he could make you, that, that singer sound way better. <laughs> what I always like is just that people connect. It's very important, you know, that there's a, a very good communication between the monitor uh, people, uh, the musicians, and the front of house, you know, that you always understand that, you know, that, that you're working together. Ozark, where is the best place for people to follow your work online? I think through my uh, website. And your website is ozarkhenry.com? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Very cool. Well, Ozark Henry, thank you so much for being on Sound Design Live. Well, thank you, Nate. It was uh, great talking to you. Sound Design Live. Sound Design Live is supported by Ross, Learn Stage Lighting, Scott, Pedro, Bob, Martin, Rody Free Radio, Joel, Ellis, Jim, Sinqui, Terry, Nicholas, Kuba, Chris, DC Sound Op, and Dave. You can start supporting Sound Design Live today for as little as $1 over at patreon.com slash sounddesignlive. Yeah.